Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one book boy, standing six foot two, 304 pounds. We're dropping, folks, from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. It's Johnny G. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, abortion is health, Claire. Like health Claire, come on, bro, get with it. Oh, you're an alcoholic country western singer? Well, then I'm sorry. Say hello to the deep end, bitch. Also, say hello to my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabrus. Arthur, give him a shout out. Arthur actually in the High and Mighty Studios today, but sleeping and nearly deaf at 14 years old, so he can't hear any of this. Also, joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, you know him from the newspaper comics episode, and you have been dying for him to come back. It's Hayes Davenport. What's up, doggy? What's up, player play? Welcome to High and Mighty. A pleasure to have you back. So great always, to be sir. back. I was thinking in the car today that something about the newspaper comics episode to the last one we did to this one, I think is just like tracking my life in <laughs> in, in LA. It might just be the whole thing. <laughs> right. Like a go- a goofy little hobby I used to have to I am yes. actively trying to prevent an, an atrocity, a, 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 a continuing atrocity to our fellow people. I barely people. ever think about newspaper comics anymore. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a global thing, right? I do. I have all my compilations right here. I have a Zitz compilation, a lot of Foxtrot, <laughs> and they're just moldering on my on my shelf. I recently thought of newspaper comics because a friend did an article for Esquire about books to read while you're stoned, and I picked like a Far Side collection. Yeah, and he was like, "I guess that counts as a book." I was like, "I talked for this shit for like an hour, so I think it works as a fucking book." School for the Gifted, baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite, dude. I love That's it. your favorite He's... compilation? <laughs> uh, I think, your... wait, I was Is joking. Is that the name about... of one? That's, that's specific... the one where he's sho- pushing right, the where he's door. Push, pushing on the door. That's right. That's the t-shirt that I saw the most. 
Yeah, that's the one that like had the most life outside of comics and right. But I don't don't have that. But today's topic, a little different, a little different than newspaper comics. Uh, um, Unfortunately, newspaper comics have gone by the wayside. And today's topic of homelessness is becoming more and more rampant and more and more of an issue. It's a one to one replacement as we (laughs) lose newspaper comics. And we should think about what the connection could be here. We got to talk to Charles Schultz. in, in, In the paper. We're seeing more and more tents on our street. What happened? It's, I, I mean, we can guess what happened. Like, yeah. the dying of the newspapers isn't exactly tied into everything that happened, but a lot of old ways are dying. <laughs> like, yes, and, sure. And, and a lot of old traditions of being able to afford a place to live in a major metropolitan right. area. All yeah. this shit is gone. The full house, the milkman, the paper boy, even TV, you know, like that shit's oh, all yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have evening TV. There is no milkman. There is, there's maybe the oat milkman. Sorry, I'm just becoming. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy over here. Um, it's the reason I was so ex- not excited, but the reason when you asked me, I want to come on and talk about this, that I snapped to it was I had out of town family visiting LA. Okay. Yeah. And they asked, Without unprompted, where are the tent cities? Okay, and that yeah. that kind of broke me because my that family member is not plugged into anything that's happening in the world, mm-hmm. but they are a light Fox News watcher, uh, sure. cons- conservative mom group type person. Yeah. So when they asked that, I was like, "How much news is there about tent cities in L?" And I've been hearing some reflections from friends of my mom and shit. This like sort of anti-Californian sentiment that they yeah. are picking up <laughs> at soccer practice in Long Island somehow. It's coming up that California, L.A., how's your son doing? L.A.'s in shambles. And that pissed me off to a degree that I could not wrap my head around. Like, I was so fucking worked up about it. I, I, I And I'm like, I want you to mind your own business because you want to know about them not to be like, we should bring food there or we should right, drop off sure. pallets of water. You want to know about them so that you could be right that liberal California is dealing with this or whatever. Right. Over here, I, I'm just feeling good that they were asking where they are instead of like just seeing them outside right. their window. If they're asking where the tent cities are, then like, you know, that we're doing something. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's at least not uh, oh, thank a, a 99% you. They're, oh, they're not like directly visible. That's great. That's yeah. good for us. Yeah. No, I mean, it's every, like, if they watch Fox News at all, then they, they get mainline this stuff, like, almost every, this was a big Tucker thing, and, like, Jesse Waters for, uh, it's been going on for years and years, LA, San Francisco, New yeah, York. San, San Francisco, New York. I'm I'm used to it from New York, being, like, being mm-hmm. a Long Islander and uh, living in New York. I'm used to, like, well, the city's in disarray, because, yeah. you know, like, oh, okay, you're afraid to in go New to York, Broadway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's much more about like crime in New York and like any, I mean, it's the advantage that any kind of conservative reactionary has in like playing up problems that like we will always have some crime. And the fact that you can take any individual crime and blow it up into like a big national story as indicative right. of like a place that's in, uh, in, in, in crisis 
to advance your political goal of being like like the way we run things, our policy recommendations are better or safer or whatever. Yes. But we never do that. We never point to crime that happens in red uh, states, which have more. The the homicide rates much higher on average. We never point at that. And they're like, right. uh, We're never like, look, this farmer fucking shot his neighbor. How fucked up is the rural world becoming? But like, there's a city with a Democratic mayor. Well, you'll be safe. But yeah, you know. There's 10,000 articles about like a high school kid who played the knockout game or whatever. Right. Like, yes. I, like I, I've got grown men and women afraid of like being punched out unconscious for uh, for a, a viral TikTok. Yes. Or whatever. And of course, like it's all like there's a huge racial element oh, to yeah. how they put that stuff out there as well. But I want to we're not talking really about crime, but I want to just like underscore that nationwide but definitely in la and in a lot of other cities we saw a a violent crime spike a homicide spike that was really real over over the course of covid and it was everywhere but it was it was legit and it was a problem uh we homicide rates are way down this calendar year compared to last year all crime is basically plummeting uh and that's happening in other places too uh but there is no like documented explanation for why the pandemic led to, I mean, you can explain some things where like we actually had a drop in property crime for a little while because more people were at home, businesses were closed and things like that. But when it comes to homicides, something about the social fabric or schools, whatever it was, something was going on for a while. Well, I think a lot of people lost their thing that kept them uh, anecdote like you could imagine losing the thing that keeps you busy or keeps you sane yeah. could or uh becoming in a, a financially more dire situation than you sure. previously were could lead you to making awful choices and like if we didn't have podcasts you know I, uh, truly i don't think i would have resorted to crime but if i had to move back in with my mom crime would come shortly sure. after yeah. that that's right matricide <laughs> fucking <laughs> But that that's in- interesting. I didn't know about the spike in crime. I knew about that we're down overall lately. Yeah. And it's despite like not giving every cop a billion dollar raise or whatever as requested feels. But the conversation we want to have is about yes. something that did exacerbate over the pandemic and doesn't seem didn't seem to rebound the way we're talking about other yeah. things bouncing back yeah yeah i mean it might be so i was on uh your show talking about housing uh when about was that i'm just trying to track uh oh yeah that's a good question i think it was like 2018 august of 2018 a long ass time ago yes oh shit i forgot about the middle right because that was around the yes. time of oh, la we did Bond. one yeah, yeah we did one right. in between yeah i was just starting this this podcast about like la stuff came on your show to talk about housing and since then, uh, about exactly a year after that, I, I quit my TV job to uh, help work on the, the campaign of this woman, Nithya Raman, who was running for city council in L.A. She won in November of 2020. Uh, and in like July of 2021, I, I, I started working in her office as like my title senior advisor. But I work on a lot of different things. And um, housing and homelessness is a big part of my sort of uh, portfolio in the office. 
And since we talked in 2018, I mean, like almost everything has changed. There are still a ton of people on the streets. And so that has not changed. But how we handle homelessness in L.A. is completely different than it was in 2018. Uh, in, in, In 2018... I was a volunteer with this group called SELA, where we go out and um, we're, we're doing outreach in our communities. We Later, uh, we, we set up an access center where people could come and get case management and showers and food and clothes and stuff like that. Bringing people into services, like connecting them to uh, these resources so they could get housed. But at the time when we were doing outreach and just like offering shelter to people back then, all we could offer them was a, a, a shelter in Bell. California, which is like, it's far. It's like 15 miles away. It's not the city of LA. Uh, It's in like the southeast part of the county. Uh, And congregate shelter means that it's a bunch of people like in one, like a bunch of beds in like one big room. Yeah. Minimal privacy. Yeah, exactly. And nobody wanted that. I mean, like, like there were a few people that were just so, so desperate to get indoors. They would, they were willing to go to a place that they had no familiarity with whatsoever, just so they could have like regular access to a shower and a bathroom and food and things like that. But for the most part, that was not like a really appealing option for people. And then the pandemic hit. uh, And well, I mean, for like, before that, we started building out these city shelters a little more. They were also congregate, but that only really started in 2018, 2019. For the 100 years before that, we never really had that as a resource to offer in the city of L.A., like city-run uh, shelter options. Now, that's crazy. I mean, crazy. I mean, I'm glad it exists now, but that's crazy that it uh, took that long. I've been uh, just like reading old LA Times articles about homelessness and uh, Skid Row has existed basically in the form it does now uh, for probably 120 years at this point. The way they talk about it in old newspapers is like, you know, people with substance use issues and uh, they don't refer to it that way, of course. Um, And like uh, they, they call them whatever, like vagrants, derelicts or whatever, like wandering the street, exact same area. As redevelopment happens, they move a couple blocks this way, a couple blocks that way, but it's been exactly like that for 120 years. Uh, Venice, the like the amount of like homelessness around the beaches. I've been reading articles from like the mid 80s that could have been written today, uh, and nothing has really changed except in the last few years. How and now how we approach this is is a little bit different, where we can actually go out to people and say. Hey, there's a shelter pretty nearby and there might not be a bed right now, but we can get you on the list if you're if you're trying to get in. When the pandemic hit, what we started offering that was really new were a couple of different things. One were these things called tiny homes, uh, where you might have heard of these like tiny home shelters where it's a bunch of it, it look like kind of tough shed type setups. Yeah, like not a, very big. A uh, little bit uh semi permeate semi permanent housing. Like uh you, yeah. Like they're, not, they're better than tents. It's a little bit of a community. Exactly. Someone, someone could run through and do medical stuff or whatever they need to do. It, like there's resources on yeah. site. The case management's on site. They got bathrooms and showers and everything there, and you're fed. And it's uh, it's climate controlled, so that's a huge upgrade on a tent. Yeah. Uh, but but small for sure. 
Uh, but the biggest new development was we got some money from the federal and state government to convert hotels into shelter sites. Uh, that was called Project Room Key. It was immediately like in super high demand. As soon as people understood there were like a about a year, I would go out and um, I do outreach like almost every day. And when I would talk to people and be like, is shelter something you're interested in? Lots of people would be like, no, dude, because they were a- associating the idea of shelter with a few different places where like everyone is really packed into one room and they've had a bad experience there. They think they're going to have to go somewhere really far away. Yeah, well, so, let, can we yeah. can we pause and talk about this for a moment? Because yes, this is yes, something yes, that I, sure. I think even a lot of my fellow LA friends don't even realize. Like, why why can't they just why don't they just take shelter? Yes. Meaning they, of course, a, a weird pronoun to use for a group of people. But like, wh- why won't homeless? Be- and it's because from uh, and I learned this from LA Pod, from talking to you, from uh, uh, friends who are doing way more outreach these days. Like, it's a shitty. Like, you might have to get rid of your stuff. Which like yeah. for these some people who live on the street, their stuff is their survival. It's like their things, their uh, and then there's also weird curfew rules, and maybe like this blew uh, some people away. Some unhoused people have jobs, and if they move a hundred, you know, if they move yeah. fifteen miles out of town, they might have a job, but they don't have transpo. Like there's a lot of these situations that are more than just like. They are resistance to help, like which I think is like feels like an uncle, you know, an uncle attitude, like a conservative. Yeah, they well, they could get help, but they won't take it because they want to do their drugs or whatever. And it's like there's so many steps to why. And like you're even saying, like old shelters weren't necessarily a good place to be. They were better than the street for some people. But for other people, it was scary social anxiety, whatever conditions you have. And then in the pandemic, it's like creating like, you know, Tinder boxes of, uh, sure. of COVID. I, I mean, I'll go farther than that for why people for, for our city, for our city sites, why people are, uh, are, do not move into shelter. The number one reason is the shit is full, right? There's just not room. There is not room like as much as like some people do have the kind of specifications you're talking about. They want a room with so there are a couple, all of them, all of our city sites, except pets. Lots of the other non uh, city run shelters uh, do not. And that was a big obstacle for people. And storage is, is, is always an issue. These are all issues. But the number one reason is that there just is not space. And so I still so get hear, this question over hear and over that, again. Listeners. Yes, there are a lot of people on the street, and there and the shelters are full. Like, I'll it, do the math for you. We have about in, in the city of LA forty two thousand people uh, who are homeless at the last count overall. Period. That's in the city. The county's uh, a bigger number, obviously. Uh, Fourteen thousand beds, twenty eight thousand people that are on the street unsheltered. So that's that's it. That's like that, that. That's all the math it really takes. Oh, yeah. Twenty-eight on the street, fourteen in shelter, fourteen thousand beds. We're at capacity. That's forty-two thousand total. As we open up more beds, which we have consistently, we've added like five thousand or more to our sheltered population in the city over the past just couple years. Hell yeah! Uh, and it's it, it has made a a really big difference in a huge number of people's lives. And in terms of the street, like we. uh 
in uh, in Nithya's council district, when we opened up a hotel, that was 110 people just like snap your fingers like that off the street. And so many of them who I'm still in touch with are now in permanent housing. Where oh, that's amazing. And that's encampments. Got like if all you want to see is the encampments go away, that's how it happens. The alternative is that we 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 just tell them to go somewhere else, and then they go down, you know, a hundred feet this way, a hundred feet that way, like whatever, and we just start the process all over again with a different set of neighbors, and some even the same ones who didn't think they moved far away enough. But number one, they're just full, uh, and I like all the other obstacles are kind of secondary, but the more we can add to our menu of options for, for people to get indoors, the easier it is to say, like say, okay, this site doesn't work for you. What about this? What about this? Yeah. And like, gradually we can get to a place where, uh, you know, people find a solution that, that works for them. We still have a lot of work to do at these shelters to make them just like more, like better resources for the city overall, something that um, our office is, is trying to work on legislatively is there's a lot of people. So the, 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 the breakdown, I, I, I say a lot when everyone asks, what about the people who don't want to go into shelter? And when I ask someone if they want to get indoors, it's like 85%, like just off the rip. Yes. Get me, get me out of here get me inside somewhere. And they might have some like some needs for like the kind of place they need to be in, but like they want to go in. Another seven to 10%, it takes a couple, like building rapport, it takes a couple conversations. If they've been on the street a really long time, that can just be like a transition that, you know, takes a little more work. Uh, so, yeah, but but they also are able to go into shelter. There's another five percent or so that like of you know maybe five to eight percent of people who um, just have like whether it's a a mental health or a really really severe substance use issue where like it's like just not working. That kind of engagement just is not working. Often right. they need to be escalated to like a higher level of treatment. And these are the people that. It seems like a really, really huge percentage because they're the most visible in a lot of cases. There, you see them walking down the sidewalk. They might be screaming, having drawing an more attention to like themselves that. than yeah, others. exactly. So, like, it only takes if you see one of those people a day. That's a lot, you know. Uh, but that that work has to intersect with the county department of mental health, which is not even at the city level. So it's all this bureaucracy to like to get treatment for someone is a massive ordeal and it now, should not be that involved, but it is. I like to come in on this with my layman bullshit here and say, it's kind of hard to get treatment. If you oh, yeah. have a house, an internet connection, a phone and health insurance, it's yeah. pretty difficult with like good health insurance to find treatment for, for anything, no less, a dire situation for like someone that needs an intervention to help them live or, and get them off the street. Like that, that's the thing I keep like whenever a relative, it's always an older relative talks about like unhoused, like the unhoused people. I always want to be like, it's so hard to pay my rent and I live in a rent controlled apartment and am on television. And yes. it's difficult for me to like really make, and yes, I live in an, I live an insane privileged life, but it's, so imagine, I always tell everyone, like, imagine 
a, a catastrophic injury, a, a layoff, a uh, having to leave town for three weeks to deal with something in family. And you come back like sh- we're all unfortunately so much closer to we're much closer to our unhoused neighbors than we are to our fucking billionaire neighbors. Like we're right. Like it's much more likely that we end up on the streets than that. We end up owning Amazon. Like it's like, sure. it's, it's, it's hard out there. Now, if it, if you feel, imagine how much harder it could be like, and that's all like, I want people to understand is like, it's, when you're like, oh, I can't even get an appointment with my cardiologist with my Guild health insurance. It's like there are people on the streets who are, are need dire help immediately. Yes. They don't even have the basic path or the 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 telecom like a phone, a fucking internet connection, a shade. You know what I mean? Like yes, yeah, and like yeah, a, a severe mental health condition that just like makes it impossible to even like just communicate and like get those basic services and like, like the amount of difficulty that even those people have like getting outreached to or access to care or whatever is, is immense. But to, to your point, there's a lot of people that exist in kind of like an in-between space. Like, you know, me, almost everyone I know has dealt with like some degree, whether it's like depression, anxiety, uh, all, enormously exacerbated by any amount of time on the street at all you can just have condition even if it rises to the level like mild dementia or like things like that the department of mental health would never consider that type of thing like a qualification for any kind of intervention you're not going to be in any kind of like treatment facility for something like that but it can make it hard if you are in a shelter to kind of stay in that shelter. If you've got anger issues and right. you're like causing problems by accident. Yeah. Like, yeah, and like exactly. And like you're saying the congregate shelters, you, you know, a handful of agitated people in a big shared space is, exactly. is not ideal for everyone. Yeah. And so what the thing we're trying to work on legislatively is just like embedding some of these services in the shelters. So we don't have situations where like, at some conflict with somebody else is growing to the point where like someone gets kicked out of the shelter and now we have to start the process all over again of getting them back indoors. But right. now we have to try and find a different option. Like it's just, it makes all of our services stretch more thin to have to be repeating this process over and over again with people. Right. So that's, that's part of what I'm saying about like, we just got to make these shelters a little, a little better at not just retaining people, but like getting them to the next step as soon as possible of a permanent housing. Right. Not just a band aid of like, here, we, you got a roof over your head for a, a, a great, a, a great blessing, there. but yes. like th- help them, give them what they need to make the next step, give them what they need to right. level out, uh, to come back down, join us, you know, whatever, whatever words you want to use, just like, uh, some some guidance we all i mean we all could use that mental health yeah. help like uh god knows what it must feel like to come off the street and then yeah just be engaged with a bunch of strangers like that yeah seems horrifying like uh, yeah and whatever that next step is some people were are, are like eligible and, and and need like permanent supportive housing i've worked with a lot of seniors that just the expectation is like they're not going back to work you know, like right, these, right. These, these these people are like uh, going to need some form of care for the rest of their lives. And so like that's what then that's what you have to match them up with. But for a lot of other people, 
uh just like finding place for them to live could be shared housing could be an apartment like connect reconnecting them with a family member whatever it is like that next step is a huge obstacle and that's where we get back to the place of like we we our housing situation is so dire in la uh that that is now one of the biggest blockages as we're building out our our shelter networks just moving people through the system into that permanent housing is is really tough yeah reading these old la times articles the thing that strikes me the most i mean i think the biggest explanation we people are always like why the tents now like there have always been like different you know different forms of what they used to call vagrancy or like uh you know whatever all over la for a long time but like tents on the sidewalk is kind of a new ish thing at least uh as as widespread as it is around the city they talk about uh and and an old coverage of of the different parts of downtown and Hollywood and all over the city, you used to be able to get a hotel room, just like an SRO, like a room off the hallway to yourself for a dollar 25 a night in like the, in 1980. And so today that that's like, you know, obviously there's inflation. There's not that much. That's like seven bucks now. Right. Yeah. You can't get, uh, you can't get a few hours in a hotel room for under 50 bucks. And if also, also, and this again, like, I don't mean to always bring it to like 90s stand up, but like it's dealing with someone who works at a like a hotel, like a hotel that has a cheap hotel in downtown oh, L.A. Yeah. It's like tr- they probably have zero patience for what that like, like you just see like I you see how the world treats the unhoused even when they are not like in they're not being agitated or agitating. They're just going into a store. You you see, like you can only sure. imagine how hard. Like there's there's no one who works the front desk at a hotel is to be like, look, uh, twenty dollars. You can go up there, shower. I, I'll kick you out when when my boss comes in. Like there's there's yeah, no totally. there's no that anymore. Like and because everyone is so desperately holding on to their jobs because losing your job in this like dire economic situation will send you down a path. So like everyone's holding on to their fucking job. Like we losing your job could mean becoming unhoused. So you're sure. like, like everyone's fighting and then it becomes this, like it's not fully resource hoarding, but there's something about like, I don't have time to give shit to anyone or time for anyone else because I have two jobs because I need two jobs to live in a normal apartment in the LA County, you know, like, yeah, like everyone is so spread so thin and so worried about themselves and it's a, the wrong attitude to have. We're all turning inwards, but it's because it is hard for everyone. So it feels like I don't have, sure. and when it's hard, when it's hard for everyone, you should like the, the good in you should say like, wow, it must be even harder for other people. But I think a lot of people think like, fuck, I got to make sure I take care of my, mine and myself and mine. Uh, before I, I think we talked the last time I, I was on the show we talked about like exactly that like whatever's hard for you at this level like just trickle down to the next person and was like just the harder at that income level as well and when it comes to these hotels the most like busted like dangerous frankly like they, they still have some of these SROs right there's one in Hollywood where I put people up a few times 
And it's that same thing, bathrooms on the hallway, the, just like a sink in your room and a closet and a bed. And like they're all in pretty brutal shape. These are really old buildings. That's 50 bucks a night, absolute minimum. And so for a month, that's $1,500 a month right? For, for, for rent. And so the... the that's more expensive of- than like a, an, a, a two-bedroom apartment in like Columbus, Ohio or some shit. Yeah. Exactly. And so like, like the market has just eliminated basically an indoor shelter option that was cheaper than buying a tent that used to exist in LA. And these were not good for anybody. I mean, like it was, it was better than what we have, but it wasn't good that there were like these kind of flop houses all over the place. Like, like the, the fundamental issue of people just being like down and out and having no supportive services or care was not being addressed by these hotels, but people were inside. Right. And now they're outside. That's just the thing that has changed is like that, uh, that option has disappeared. People just went outside. Yeah. And coming from New York, moving to LA, I was like, wow, so many people are outside. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, the weather here that's what you, everyone you, says you can like yeah. oh, you you can live outside a little but then we have the last few months that we had in la that's sure. i've only lived here for 11 years but the last four months this winter was unlike any other uh time i've ever spent in this city and, and lots of the year in new york it's pretty nice yeah and you don't see uh sidewalk encampments proliferating for like you know half the year like uh, like they do here. The reason for that is, I mean, there's just a, a straight up reason. Uh, there was a, a judicial decree, a consent decree that uh, in the 70s, it said that New York has to create a shelter bed basically for everyone who is who is homeless there. And so they're they're 97 percent sheltered or something in New York, whereas we were it's gone up uh, over the last few years, but we're just under 40 percent. Right wow, now. I had no idea about any of that. That's really interesting. That's the difference. And like they, you know, that system gets tested all the time. Lots of issues with those shelters too. Uh, but they they have like Eric Adams just said they're changing their policy just this week on uh families being able to have their own room because of concerns about changes title 42, immigration, you know, the Governor of Texas is sending all these people up to New York, things like that. So the, the a lot of the family shelters are going to be congregated in New York now. So like problems, no matter what. But again, people being inside is it's better a, a strong than outside. Step. And so yeah. then exactly, and so then we work on the system to like improve it as 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 much as we can. Uh, but that that that's that's a. The, the biggest difference in someone's like way of life is just moving off the street and into into a bed and ideally into into a room. Look, us humans know we're not supposed to eat processed food for every meal. It's not healthy. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making it an ultra processed food. Let's try something fresh. Feed your dog the farmer's dog. It's real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. 
Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive in pre-portioned, ready-to-serve packs, conveniently delivered on your schedule. Dog people all across the country have ordered millions of meals from the farmer's dog. It's never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Okay, so if you want to get some fresh foodies for your little puppies, you got to go to thefarmersdog.com slash mighty. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash mighty. Plus, you get free shipping. So just go to thefarmersdog.com slash mighty to get 50% off. That's thefarmersdog.com slash mighty. T-H-E-F-A-R-M-E-R-S-D-O-G dot com slash M-I-G-H-T-Y. 50% off your first box and free shipping. Bam, baby. What are some of the major blockages because because from an outsider i'm not necessarily an outsider but it's it's hard not to be like it's los angeles it's california it's uh liberals it's it's hippies it's like what's the stopping from like converting you know like what's in our way here from it being 97 percent uh or you know what like i know there's so there's such an anti-unhoused sentiment that you can feel yeah. That people uh, put under the guise of safety, right. they like put it under the umbrella of safety. Of like, well, I don't know how safe it is to walk past, you know, people sleeping at night. And I like, there's that, but I don't, un- I don't see what the real block is. It be is it like NIMBY shit? And then, and again, I'm venturing into place I don't know where it's like we want to build a homeless shelter here in this piece of property, and like the eight eight people who own buildings, homes, and businesses nearby are like. We can't have that shit in here. Look, I mean, and just to, the one thing I want to say, like the the whole dynamic is not safe, really, for anybody. And like, you know, we we like we we get a lot of complaints about like uh, sidewalk encampments that are fully blocking the sidewalk, and people have to like walk in the street. And like, it's easy to hand wave that away and say, what is what is true that it's by far the most dangerous for the people that actually live in the encampment who right. are dying in huge numbers, victims of homicide, traffic deaths, uh, and overdoses, number one, over the last few years. Uh, but it's also not, it's not good for anyone that lives in the neighborhood. So like that, that is something that you have to take really seriously. The biggest blockage is 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 basically what you're saying up to a point. So uh, Nithya just did some communications about this on her social media. When we opened this hotel, uh, a, a, a city council office, there's 15 in the city of LA. Each council office has a staff of like 25 people. Some of them are dedicated to like legislation. Some of them work uh, as like field deputies. And so they're talking to constituents all the time. Some people kind of man are in management. There's all these different roles. And we have a homelessness team that's one of the that is the biggest in the city still uh, within the office. Even though we have the second lowest number of people who are homeless in our district, just because like that's what it takes to like be out there like working on homelessness from the perspective of the council office. We the council office basically had to do. I mean, the the lion's share of the work to open that hotel. None of us, no one who works in the office is really like directly experienced in this. They were doing, they were looking at like thread counts of sheets. 
they're talking about like all this stuff related to like parking they all have other things that they need to be doing and this this ran through the council office a political elected officials office so it's an enormous enormous lift to get one of these things open even when you are discounting like people in the neighborhood that don't want something like this to happen and because it's not mandatory for any office to do this at all you're often asking the exact people that are least incentivized to open one of these these things up because they do make people mad in a lot of locations you're giving that job to them the people that 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 have the least reason and the most disincentive to move something like this forward all of this power has kind of been consolidated in these political offices rather than sometimes what you want is just a faceless bureaucracy like people that are just like moving these processes forward identifying the sites and we had a lot of help from other departments in the city it wasn't like just uh, you had to do it completely on our own but the fact that a political office is having to do most of the lift to get one of these things open is dire that's really really bad yeah that feels insane like that feels like a neighborhood that requires like uh, well, hopefully the local representatives will tackle littering or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, and that's a smaller project, but it's still like not even under your guys purview. And what what you're saying is I kind of it, is, too, unfortunately. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it could turn off constituents who don't want the hotel flipped in their area. Like, yeah, they think it'll they don't because people can't see like the small step towards a beautiful process. They see that just like, Oh, a hundred unhoused people are now moving into our neighborhood to live in this hotel. Yeah. And I, and I think since, since we last talked uh, around that time, one of the first of these city run congregate shelters was uh, being proposed in Koreatown. And it was basically protested out of existence or it, it, it was protested out of the neighborhood moved to like the Westlake area. Since then, we've opened, God, between the um, congregate shelters and the hotels, at least like 25, 30 of these things more. Wow. Wow. Awesome. And and the dynamic of like how people understand these projects in their neighborhoods has really changed. And we're really not seeing the level of pushback that we did in some ways because people just have not. We haven't seen the number of incidents that people kind of expected from these type of sites. But also, I think in in a lot of locations, people can see, oh, this got rid of the encampment in my neighborhood and just like replaced it with a place where like, it's it's not, yeah, yeah, just a building that was already there in in a lot of cases and was a hotel that like, in in some cases might not have been like a great presence in the community. You know what I mean? Well, the, so, that yeah. that's like the that's a very distinct L.A. problem is that we have tons of empty buildings and and people and tons of people living on the street, which is like like that yeah. just feels like if you were Sim City, you mm-hmm. would just like click and drag human beings into. But uh, yes. like the things that are sitting empty in my neighborhood are two point nine million dollar fucking uh, huge McMansions. Exactly. Which 40 people could live in pretty yes. easily if 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 when the guillotines come out, we can start. look. The uh, there, there's a like I hear all the time like we have this many units available like we have this many people are on the street. Easy math, just move those people into the empty units. On a couple levels, I kind of like it doesn't really work out. Obviously, it's never no, that obviously simple. it can't. Yeah, but there's th- like 
first of all, our our when you talk about those empty units, our like quote vacancy rate in the city is actually pretty low. Uh, like we, as you can imagine, there's like super high demand still, even after the pandemic and everything, for 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 people to live in the city. So when it comes to like apartments, there just aren't that many that are actually available. Yeah. What we do have increasingly a lot of is office space some retail space like we're uh, we, we we lost during the pandemic but like mostly like commercial office type buildings there are some conversions conversion opportunities there to like make them into shelter or like residential but that's also just really expensive it's, yeah it all costs money everyone is thinking was oh what if we 3d print the buildings whatever it is the <laughs> shit costs is money <laughs> gonna be expensive like but like the really cheap version we had, it was hotel rooms that you could pay for and change. And those don't do, those do not exist anymore. And no neighborhood is like, bring those back. So like whatever we're creating here, if we're going to have services built in and security and all the things that people want and just the land costs are so, so high that like shit costs money. Uh, but yeah, the when it comes to like, new development like being able, like all new housing does help on some level it just in some cases would take way too long to translate for like okay we're turning this single family home into like a fourplex of like you know relatively expensive but not as expensive apartment units it's like that's right. not really gonna get to the homelessness issue like the trickle down of it all speed your yeah. This is something I learned from your uh, the podcast you used to uh, do uh, the LA Pod, the up upsizing or upzoning upzoning yeah. where you go from like this used to be one big house on this property now it's four condos now yeah. that ostensibly is adding three homes and that's right. good. There's no no matter what even if it converts into th four one point two million dollar condos that are hard that are out of a lot of people's reach. That's better than one $1.2 million house, obviously like that's, yeah, or that's what would a given. Probably be because the alternative is that you just redevelop that as a house. And then it goes from a $1.2 million house to a $5 million house. Right. And then so it's like, uh, owned yeah. by uh, a private investment firm that is just collecting sure. interest or maybe Airbnb being it. I right. live in West Hollywood. We have, dozens of those just like houses that seem to be empty that has three g wagons parked in the driveway yes and i never see a family or a person interact <laughs> whatsoever with them yes they're all like cinder block like gray primer paint colored buildings huge just maximum square footage just to look amazing on paper um and no backyard like anyone would buy a three million dollar house that goes from your your walls of your living room go to every edge of your property. It seems like a yes. fucking disaster. Yeah, but no, that so much better when it, like it's gonna destroy parking in my neighborhood. But like a uh, 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 two houses were torn down and it's becoming like twelve condos and it's like that's awesome. But it's going to annihilate street parking <laughs> and in a way, it's what we need. But what you're saying is like this does this will take forever to trickle down to someone who's on like it's not like i move into the 1.2 million dollar home someone moves into right. my rent controlled apartment and then someone moves into their previous whatever it's not like it, it's still untenably fine uh it's untenable financially a lot of this stuff too unfortunately totally i mean and what you're talking like 
we 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 do need more of all of it and like that's not middle class housing really what you're describing but it's right. like for some people that can actually like live and work in the city who are choosing between uh you know doing remote work from austin or whatever which is which is facing like the same issues like we we got to bring more people into a place where they can actually like live and and survive here but yes that that is not and like the the length of the chain of dominoes that you need to build for like right, that right. new construction to like get someone off the street and indoors is like you can't even see the end of it. The 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 stuff that is making like that that immediate impact. I want to talk about the our new mayor for a minute. Who uh, you know there there there's always like and and it's all valid. There's a lot of criticism about like she moved too fast. It's not you know it's not a criticism we're used to hearing about homelessness <laughs> in la but that um so basically she took office declared a state of emergency immediately and started this program called inside safe which kind of goes encampment by encampment and just gets like dozens of people indoors at once and like puts them into hotels kind of a, a like a version of what we did uh, with the hotel shelter that we opened, but it's a much more like temporary arrangement where you're just kind of like booking a bank of rooms at once. The services are not necessarily built into the hotels, but you're just like giving them a place to be inside while they are worked with uh, with case managers to get to their next step. And it's gotten something like a thousand people off the street already. That there are. I mean, especially from moving so quickly and like the beginning of this process, there are definitely issues to be worked out with like how that has gone. People have had to move between hotels a lot and like don't have access to food on site sometimes and things like that. But what we're seeing that is completely different is a centralization of this approach within like the mayor's office, just like the like city government rather than like one of 15 council districts that traditionally run things that's a big difference and it really matters a lot it's because it's like coming yeah. from a little bit more of a powerful department or whatever or a, a more wide-reaching department or something like that is that what you're saying i'm sorry it, it just takes some of the um block by block political uh influence out of the equation yeah okay i see like like when it's all when it all goes through the council offices, what you see most often is just people trying to get it just across the border. So, like, right. if you have an encampment, you can put some signs up. You can say head over that way. We see it with the other cities, too. We see it with Beverly Hills, Glendale. You used to be able to. I, I, I live near the Glendale Atwater border. You used to be able to see that in like carts. Uh, it was like a visual border where pe where they would just like roll the carts into Atwater Village because that's city of L.A. and just make us deal with it. Obviously not a very sustainable approach, like great, I guess, for their people, but the, the, the number of people on the street just grows in that case. It just right. that's 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 it's a big not part solving it. a problem. It's shuffling a problem. No, just, just moving yeah. it. Exactly. And so that's a big reason why we're why we've seen this kind of unchecked growth for the last few years is that that shuffling process was not meaningfully addressing like the, the actual number of people on the street. And now that we are bringing people indoors and working to for permanent sustainable solutions and like not worrying as much about these like district borders, not as much as we used to, 
We actually saw in the city of L.A., the number of unsheltered people who are homeless went down in our in our 2022 count. We, ha- we don't have the 2023 count yet, but it, I think there's a decent chance that it went down again. And that's the first time that has happened since we started, uh, the, since there was a city count in, in 2013. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's it, it, it's hard to like really like, you know, celebrate because there's still tens of thousands of people on the street. And the the decrease was tiny. It was like about like it was in the one percent range. But, but there's something. Was, there's a power. There's a power to being able to show the higher ups, but as importantly, your random voting neighbor that it it can work. Like yes, just seeing I, like see like look a step. And your life isn't as a guy who just rents a random building or owns a random house. Like your life is not any worse it's arguably yeah. better more importantly the unhoused folk who now live in a, a hotel their lives are markedly better so like yeah. being able to point to that stuff is integral i know like it baby steps are baby you know uh, uh what about bob baby steps bob but like they make up like it's as important to see like it also helps with the futility of it all like it makes it feel like it's it's like a 10 you know it, it it feels like any huge problem. You're like, how the fuck do we tackle this? Everything I've tried. It's like, well, if I work really hard in this one little corner and it starts to look better, then yeah. fuck it. I guess the answer is I just got to do this times a hundred or whatever. It's 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 tough to explain to people. I mean, if you got there, and be like, hey, we brought it down by one percent. Most people are like, fuck you. And for like for how much money? Like one <laughs> <Right>. percent. <laughs> But, you know, number one, we are comparing it to like double digit increases for years, like 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 unchecked growth explosion for years. And so any decrease at all, even like a flatlining is like we're we're, we're, yes, even plateauing would be a a huge would be a victory for Los Angeles. So we're turning just the Titanic around. But when we so like the, the five years prior to Nithya taking office, uh, unsheltered homelessness went up every single year in our district, Council District 4, and we brought it down by 7% in our first year. And like that for us is like is huge, and we're, we think we're, we're well positioned to, to do that again. You guys should be proud of that. That's awesome. It's, it, yeah. feels, it feels amazing. Like, uh, and I would not be able to keep doing this if, if I didn't have a ton of optimism about like this, this shit is working. Right, but let, here, for someone that, that I, has a, a tent on their sidewalk, they don't really care. Right. The, the mouth breathing outsider here uh, makes me feel like too, like if you on as part of Nithia's team can keep pointing to this, and Nithia gets reelected, and and uh, and Nithia gets people get behind her. Yeah, that's gonna point to other people who are like, hey, because you know, power is all half of these people. I. Nithya, I, I, I respect her, lo- love all the shit she's doing. Half of these people just want to k- stay in power, but if they see that that works and can keep them in power, hey, let's do Project Room Key in my district, where, like, if, if look how excited people are. We're getting people off the streets. Like, that's the kind of shit, like, can catch fire. Like, you know, just like, so, <laughs> if it, it feels so 90s movie or 80, like, it feels so, ta- like, yeah. just look over there, Nithya's doing it the right way. Hey, maybe we should copy her, you know, like, that energy, like that, 
she proved people wrong who like stepped in her way and fought all her ideas along the way and all the shit that she's had to deal with. Like all the, like she's proved them wrong. Like this step, what it was difficult, what you guys did, but it had it shows results. If all 15 councils are pushing in that same direction, we might get the fucking rock up the hill. Look, like, I mean, we, when we took office, I think there was one other office, the one that uh, oversees Skid Row that had like anyone on its staff dedicated to homelessness. And then we set up our four person homelessness team. And now pretty much all the other offices have one. And there you go. Like, Step one. That's a great. She went from, you know, she was a total outsider to politics in general. She's now chair of the housing and homelessness committee uh, in the city of LA. Like Hell it, yeah. it, it is kind of getting more adopted wider and wider. But what I want to stress is like the book on our office and on her, like what people I think tend to assume is that all we're preaching is just like, Oh, why, why can't we just be kinder to each other? Like, don't like, don't we like want to be nice and like compassionate and all these things and not actually like doing shit and like, and don't care that there's people on the street. We just want them to be treated more nicely while they're there. Like that's, that's what people think, but like what we really, really want to show to people on the street who trust has been obliterated over the course of like decades of uh, how the city has responded to this issue, but also people that are in housing is just that this shit can, can really work. Uh, that, that we're talking about like, you know, like pulling in the same direction. I actually do think whether someone is like a, the most like violent NIMBY when it comes to homelessness that we all actually do want the same thing, which is like the uh, people off, off the, the streets, yeah. people <laughs> off the street. Exactly. Uh, weirdly enough, that crazy ass uh, NIMBY guy with a fucking blue lives matter flag and the person inside the tent arguably are on the same page. Of, they want the same I don't want to be here either, pal. <laughs> like we do kind of get this vibe where some people are like, well, I didn't want to like, they were supposed to like go to jail. And it's like, I can't help you. <laughs> like, I'm just, like I can't <laughs> help you with that. <laughs> I'm trying to, I, what I just thought, what I thought was your problem. But if you wanted people <laughs> to prison, I bet I failed you. But like, uh, the, the lift is still massive. And I, and I'll say like the, um, the other side of it that's more grim, this does not explain at all the, the reduction that we've seen in the district, but like we, we are seeing a lot more death. Uh, and like fentanyl is a catastrophic uh, presence on this. I've worked with so many people that we've lost uh, over the over the course of like just the last few years. It. And like the. The, the way to address there are so many different ways that we can like address it but it is a super pervasive issue for whether you're on the street or not but like obviously it's way more of it like uh the the one explanatory factor for a lot of like substance use on the street is like meth uh the like the cost of it has gone way 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 down uh just in the last like just in the last few years. That's the old expression. Meth is inflation proof. People Look, have been saying that for generations. I don't know. That, I'd be interesting to see if it's changed with inflation in like the last year. I actually don't know about that. But since like 2017 or so, there's a lot of um, mythologizing about that the recipe changed and made it like a super drug the way they used to talk about crack and PCP, that it would make people into these like. Dude, I was just talking like, about this the other day where I distinctly remember 
hearing that crack made people like indestructible. And now with hindsight, it made it feel like it was just a cover story so that people could open fire. Like, so cops could open fire and be like, well, and they're unstoppable zombie machine. I'm seeing fucking headlines and I don't know how real it is about like a trank, like a a flesh eating drug. Yeah. It's like it. The presence of it is real. The impacts of it are real, but it always gets like the health impacts are real. Uh, but the I, I don't know where they're looking at how widespread it is. And like in L.A., it look, it, it's here, but it looks like it's much more common and um, like Philadelphia. But it always gets translated into like, oh, you now have to, more to fear from these. These people are now more dangerous to you. And like the drug itself has become something more sinister. And look, alcohol, they used to talk this way about alcohol you know and it is true you drink a lot of alcohol you can't experience pain you do things that are like not you lose a little (laughs) self-control you make some bad choices yeah yeah so this this shit has always been there in one way or another but with meth what really happened was when it goes from when a hit that lasts for some people like six to twelve hours goes from 15 bucks to five bucks or just something that they're just like passing out or that you can trade for like a shoe you can use a lot more you can use more frequently and that all, all the health impacts that come from that like come into come into play and meth is kind of uh it, it it's way more widespread on the street than fentanyl but there is a ton of fentanyl in it work with people that have never used fentanyl knowingly, but every time they go to the hospital for one thing or another and they get tested, they always test positive for, for fentanyl. Even though having never like purchased fentanyl, it's just, and have no desire to, and like, don't, don't want to use it. It's just like, it's in, it's like in the crystal mostly, but it's like meth is kind of an antidote to homelessness because it keeps you warmer and uh, less afraid and if you're a woman and you need to stay up all night to like you know keep look out for yourself then like that's how you do it and it's it but it does have like tons of damaging effects on people and so like all of that just makes the process of like getting people well getting people indoors like that much more difficult well you're but, adding like you're yeah. adding like it's that's now a two huge problems that people deal with in life being unhoused and having a, a chemical addiction to something yes on how like now you're now we have to solve both of these problems at once where yeah. just solving one of them rich people get addicted you know people who live in mansions have meth issues and then totally people, people who live on the street uh, don't always all do drugs but if you're dealing with both it just makes both problems harder and it makes you know i the four person homelessness team is not necessarily also the four person like drug intervention team or the, no. uh, yeah, like that's, that's like a whole separate world of training and a whole like wor- world of experience for it is, yeah. but you have to like, it's just another these two problems are in- intertwined. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, I, I hear people say a lot, like don't stigmatize this population by like, t- like talking about like substance use as an issue to me, honestly, I think it's kind of stigmatizing to act like this is so disgraceful that we can't like even like bear to mention that, like, uh, that, that it's such a personal failing 
uh that like to to use drugs that like that like we can't talk about this it is it's very widespread on the street it's definitely not everybody and i work with a lot of people that like left skid row or some other area because they were trying to like stay away from that stuff and like it, it it's it's for sure not everyone but it is a lot of people it's it's available all over the place it's really cheap and like i was saying it, it kind of addresses some of the even just like the how dismal it is. Yeah, being shut your fucking brain off for a few yeah, hours about exactly your, at, at where your life's at. Like it's yeah, dude. Like the fucking rest of the the housed community is over medic. Like we're all like the amount of yes. people who are addicted to like and and you're right. I I see what you're saying about how it could be like a little bit of a st- stigmatizing of a people, but it's a chicken or egg thing too. It's like what caused. That's the other thing. Is like. There's like a weird old school attitude and it goes with like the bootstraps of like, well, just quit drugs and get a job. And it's like, no, no, no. This person had a job and had was not on drugs in a previous life, potentially like shit hits so hard that you lose options. The the paths in your life are wide open when you're like if you're privileged, you like wide. But they get narrower and narrower as life goes on and it gets narrower faster if you have no income, no support system, no family to t- help you you know uh, or you're unhoused with your family like that shit you're what you can do to help yourself is limited wildly and it like and to some extent it's it's useful to know just for to set up people sustainably but like to some extent when it comes to like okay i'm just trying to get this person indoors i don't it doesn't really matter every time like or even most of the time whether they got their addiction on the street or their addiction yeah. like let them onto the street if they're ready to go inside we can work on that in there and it'll be much, much easier than like trying to kick or get any kind of treatment from a tent. Like you right. cannot, there is no way to kick on the sidewalk. Like no. it just like, I have, I have never seen it happen. People can like, uh, you know, use less or things like that, but like, it's really, really hard to stay away from it. And so when it just like getting people inside, that has to be our first priority and for anyone who's like, well, they should need to like get sober in order to go in. We don't I don't think any of us want a situation where we're like making it so that we have every person who has been homeless and has an addiction is on the street. It's just right. people that have like addiction issues that like we are leaving on the sidewalk. Like, I don't I don't think that's the, the city we want to live in. No, no, not at all. Uh yeah, and j- having an addiction is not punishable by being unhoused or yeah, yeah, exactly. All this stuff, like uh, even like you, you you can't use in a lot of the like on a lot of the sites, but they don't test you, right? And so sometimes, so, like someone will use, and they'll get caught, like you can get exited for, especially if you're like distributing within a site or something like that. But even when that happens. If I meet someone again that was in shelter and they came back out on the street, I'm still trying to get them back in. Like, none of this is like, okay, well, now you're condemned to be homeless forever. Nobody wants that. None of us want that person to be on the sidewalk for the rest of their life. But, like, that sense of abandonment, like, oh, they even they don't want me anymore, is like a big driver of people just, like, completely giving up. Right. Moving into the riverbed and, like, it's over. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. And and, uh, jumping back to like getting people behind the idea of moving the rock up the hill, Mm -hmm. even unhoused people seeing other unhoused people 
turn it around with help might open everyone up to being more open to help with the hotels uh when we first got the hotel sites opened we would take like a few people at a time from a lot of these big encampments that had like blown up over the pandemic and there were some people that were like not really down initially they didn't know what it was going to be like and there's like a curfew at a lot of the places like didn't sound that great but then the people would come back and be like it's awesome i got a bet you know i'm like there's a tv i'm doing job training whatever it is and now just the desire to to get indoors just from people that have heard from other people about the program is because in the past in the past it, it wasn't always great or didn't always line oh, yeah. up with the needs of the person uh, uh the unhoused person but yeah. now now if you have straight up testimonials of like yes. formerly unhoused people talking to their uh compadres like yo i did this i know it seems scary but uh i'm five days in and you know look i i slept in a bed five nights in a row it, it's possible That's but the fucking- work just for like I just want to go through just like one experience. This is from today. Uh, there were there was an encampment. I don't know if you ever saw the Studio City Park and Ride gigantic encampment um, on Ventura near like Universal. And yeah. like over the pandemic, it grew to like probably 80 people or so. And there are tons of RVs and tents. And um, when this parking I, lot was closed down. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it got... Uh, uh, in like early late 2021 uh it's it's county owned and it got like swept out basically they were like we're shutting it down everyone's got to like get out of here and they moved some people from there there was like a rehousing effort they moved some people in they didn't get everybody and so a bunch of people were just shoved across the street and that was actually when that neighborhood at, at the same time as it got redistricted into our district so we were like blessed with this brand new gigantic encampment that like everyone was freaking out about and everyone at the encampment wanted to go inside and wondered why they'd like missed the bus to uh, like get in when they saw other people going in so three guys from that we we got everyone indoors but like three guys from that encampment uh they were in a hotel for a while they got matched to like a shared housing situation they were in there for a year their landlord was kind of like pressuring them to like get out the whole time and now has like kicked them out fully uh, just because he like wants to get out of the, 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 the landlord business basically. And so they're potentially going to fall back on the street and they have all this stuff. Uh, and so we're working on ways to like get them back indoors. Like we are going to get them back indoors and they have a place to stay like temporarily in the meantime. But I had to rent a U-Haul today. Uh, this is for the second guy. I had to do it for a different guy last week to get this person's stuff, bring it into storage, and then hold it there for you know a, a few weeks, a couple months, until we can move it into their new location. Because like otherwise, like every step along the way takes that level of like driving across the city loading stuff up, like you know, dragging it into some other place. And lots of in lots of cases. The system just isn't built to like do that work. And so people are just like, fuck it. And they just like, they just fall out of the system entirely move like into the outer reaches of like the, you know, land next to the highway or the river or whatever. And just like disconnect Uh, because like, and, and we can't do everything. 
but it does take just that level of like constant, constant engagement. That that's just for a handful of people just to keep them indoors once they're already in. Right. Uh, and we just need like I really recommend this work for anyone who's like between jobs or whatever and considering doing it. Like there's some things you need a, a master's in social work for, but like a lot of things that you don't. And the pay is not amazing, but like it is uh it 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 feels like it helps society. It 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 helps and I like and and that that feels good, but I think just like the moment to moment uh just like feeling stuff like move forward and like being able to like move cases along and it's like it, it's always interesting like i think this work is great um but it it, it it's it's constant and it kind of it, it just has to be yeah and so what what are like as we're wrapping up here what are some like long like long term goals like like if what are some things that like if the average voter or person were to hear about like, oh, they want to do bl- prop this prop that does blank. It's like, actually, I heard Hayes tell Gabrus that this would be super helpful to the, you know, like what are some things that like L.A. Uh, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be L.A. specific. But what are some things that we could hope for or like push for that could help the situation for our unhoused neighbors? Yeah, I mean, uh it's not coming up immediately anytime and people start to roll to roll their eyes at this, but like anytime money comes up on the ballot where it's like a sales tax, whatever it is to like put more money towards housing or, um, or, or services voting yes on it does make a huge difference. People, a lot of people were skeptical about, um, prop HHH, which like promised a lot of new buildings and people were like, well, there's still like homeless people on the street. It does take way, way too long to build in LA, but those are coming online and people are are moving indoors. And right, like right. we're gonna open up a few thousand of those this year, finally, after it passed yeah. in, in November 2016. And that will empty out our shelters again as people move from there into their permanent housing. And that will allow for another thousand plus people to like come off the street into the shelters. So like that's how the conveyor belt is supposed to work into permanent housing so those votes are always actually really important there's some like votes were like if we don't get those then we're like completely screwed uh and they're like i always think it's useful to, to to find ways to advocate and like get like if you live in la just to like look in your actual neighborhood i do think like as as local as possible is really valuable advocating for services and and new projects and housing and all that is 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 always really useful i wish i could say there were like like a magic bill oh if we just pass this motion or this right, bill at yeah. the state level like we, or if, we, if everyone put a rainbow in their window or everyone put a dollar on the blank or whatever, exactly you know, like, there's no real like yeah. if we all just blanked you know if we all just got rid of our cars we'd stop global warming you know like there's no like uh and even that that's even true but yeah there's no magic like, bullet obviously no of course not and like we'll always like I do think we'll always have people that are just like wandering from town to town. And like, I might've talked about this last time, but like they're in certain places uh, like Hollywood, it comes with tourism. Right. And so like Hollywood, the beaches, like people come from other places and they might just be there for a little bit and then they're moving on to the next thing, backpacking or, you know, like 
whatever it is that they're doing. We 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 can't just like legislate that away. There will always be like a little presence of this stuff. But like in our valley neighborhoods, most of the people I talk to are from the valley and like have just completely fallen out of the housing system and just need a lot of help getting back in. We can eliminate that. And and we and I genuinely believe we can eliminate uh tent encampments like sidewalk homelessness if we just create like a sufficient amount of decent shelter for people to be able to just like go in for a few nights a few months whatever it is they need to like get to their next step people are always like oh if you make enough of that it'll be so desirable that like and uh, more people will will show up but it's like no one homelessness is awful everyone who is experiencing it hates it unless you are so like a very small number of people are so disconnected from the reality of their situation that it's like a it's a completely different thing like a different process for them right right anyone who's able to understand what's going on in any way whatsoever is miserable no one is signing up for this voluntarily so i i i feel very positively about uh, our ability to um to knock this out it's gonna it's gonna be years for sure um but yeah i mean no one thing anything you can do is uh is is useful there's something powerful though about because we've only been on a down downslide or like the numbers have only been going up of unhoused people for a long time here in la and to see through hard work and and grit and determination and all and putting in the time and the money and the uh uh vocal real estate uh verbal re- talking about it bringing yeah. it up as part of your it's it's not guaranteed to get you elected talking about what you want to do for the un- but in, in LA but we see some effort and and some results and if that hopefully is inspiring for people on a larger scale to mobilize to get things moving a little bit in the right direction like you know not to just keep like I'm not applying superherodom to your uh your boss Nithya, but like if th- two more Nithyas in the city council in the next couple of years, five more, you know what I mean? And then the the uh the shit that's happening on uh on the bigger scale, on the countywide scale, like if that gets some juice behind it, and a couple of people, and I think we're also seeing younger people who are climbing the ranks, like politically and stuff, but with these with these causes um, and present company being the main person I know who did this, but like you see people being like, this is something we can actionably help. That is like, that's inspiring. That's magnetic. That's going to draw people like the results beget people wanting to. Yeah. Well, now that we know it's not an absolutely Sisyphean task, let's get the it's fuck not. out there and let's get some people yeah. in, in hotels and shit. Yeah. It's totally like impact is totally possible. And with Nithya and like people like her, I think the real impact is like, Oh, like, People tend to think of it as like, oh, if we get a few more of them, we'll have be able to have a majority to vote on this issue and finally get this thing passed. But the real impact of it is just having people in these like very powerful ground level positions that are just busting ass all day. Right. If all 15 council members get a thousand people off the street, like, you know, like through an insane effort. That's that's a big that's that's more than half of our unsheltered population right and, and, that, and, and that makes a really visible difference and that's hard but that's yes. everyone pulling uh, a certain amount if i don't know if money was raised that put four people on a homelessness team in every city council department 
that you know what I mean? Like these things that you, we know that would, would make some difference too. But like what we do, we're like the expediters in the kitchen is how I think of it. But we need people in every one of the service providers. We need more case managers. We need right. more mental health workers. We need right the every, non-political everybody. attacks at it. Yes. Like you need people who aren't working in politics per se, but are working in outreach or in uh, whatever. These are viable places for us to all help. There's like it's a yeah. X amount of pronged approach. Like join one of the prongs. Uh, and we we like the, the the timeline that I was laying out. We started really meaningfully spending money on this in the city beyond. Nithya actually wrote a report when she was uh, working in City Hall uh, on how we were spending money on homelessness, and like ninety plus percent of it was going towards just like arresting, trying, like jailing people at the at the city level. We started really, really putting money into getting people indoors and services in 2016 uh and that expanded that over the course of the next few years the money didn't really hit the ground until 2018 2019 uh and then a huge infusion of money in 2020 and it kind of follows that like now we're actually starting to see the impact of this we hear all the time well it's not working we got to try something else it's like we just started we right. just started we're just feeling the effects of that infu- huge infusion of money from three years ago we're just seeing the 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 we're just sowing what we uh we're just reaping what we sowed at this yes point. and yeah. that money went away a lot of that covid money went away and the hotel shut down and then it's a scramble to get all those people indoors and like some people fell back onto the street and so we did we have actually like taken a few steps back even since covid but like we're we're in we're 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 still building the mayor's budget has a massive amount of money for, for homelessness. We got a lot of potential for what we can do just in the next year. We just need to show people that it works. Uh, now that's and- not something I knew about our current mayor. And that's something I'm going to bring up the next time her name gets dropped in a, what exactly is she fucking done anyway? Conversation. It's that I happens anecdotally that- frequently. I'll, I'll throw that, I'll throw that stat around for people. We, we don't see it a lot in the city, like how much, like people really wanting their name on the issue of homelessness. She wants it. And like that to me is really encouraging because like, we've just been kind of like pushing this issue aside for a really long time. Or just like saying this, this, the county needs to handle it. Like this other person needs to handle it. She like, she, she wants it all. Uh, And it's, it's risky, but it's, it is what we need. Right. And I guess what what I was trying to say earlier is that if it doesn't absolutely destroy her politically, like if it doesn't make every like her a pariah and get her never elected again or whatever, you're going to see some other people choose to help homelessness for more cynical reasons than uh, other people. But if they want to help homelessness just to get reelected. They're going to get my vote. <laughs> like, fuck <Look>. it. Uh, fine. <laughs> if you're going to yes. dedicate your time and energy to this solely to maintain power. Thank you? Question mark. I guess yes. like fine. Fucking do it. Well, I don't care the reasoning behind it. If it's all well and good, make make the move. Hopefully, there are some people who are just pieces of shit who are like, "Damn, everyone likes Nithya. I got to do this." Then fine. Like let's let people do it for that reason too. If we can make it politically advantageous just to get people like safe and healthy and well yes. and and housed, then r- rather than out, out of sight faster that's what we've been going off of for a long time the most political advantage was having people away 
which was like a, a, a much quicker way to do that was just to like sweep them out rather than to like get them indoors, yeah. bust them but somewhere, if, destroy all their stuff, move them uh, uh, across town lines. Yes. Trash all their stuff, whatever they can't carry. Or if they're gone, when this happens, like that but kind that's of bullshit. Why we're here. That's yeah. what got us here. And if we can like build understanding around that and the, and the will to, to do it sustainably, then we're, we're golden. I think. Hell fucking yeah. Hayes, I feel like this conversation can often feel bleak and overwhelming. And I'm I'm glad you reached out about talking about it again because this feels promising. You know what I mean? I know yeah, you're like on the front lines, day. so you feel it actively, but it's nice to hear, and I hope listeners of the pod are hearing this, that it's not an untenable pro it's not a uh gargantuan pro it is a gargantuan problem, but it's not unstoppable it, we can attack it and we can deal with it as we can like it's yeah. not it does it is a huge project where you're staring at it like fuck it's where huge. do i start it's but, gargantuan it takes so 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 much work but yeah but we're learning places where we can start we're seeing things that work we're seeing actionable uh, yeah. uh stuff that you, uh, you guys are doing that other people are doing that can work and so hopefully this keeps you know this momentum continues and we yeah. we build build some steam and build some fucking uh rent uh uh what's it called low income housing let's get some yes <laughs> and like and middle class housing <laughs> and let's yeah. get some uh let's yeah some shelter beds some some supportive housing some treatment beds some yeah mental health beds like yeah we, we we like we need the whole thing we need it all we i you want the guy who's serving you your food to live, you know, within an hour of where you're like, wouldn't yeah. it be nice? Like, you know, like for the person that you're interacting with at this business, that they don't have to come from fucking 200 miles away because it's so expensive here or whatever, you know, yeah. like, mm -hmm. like, let's keep our neighbors here. And that includes our unhoused neighbors, but that goes up to the low income, middle income. We, 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 yeah. we all want a place here. Mm -hmm. Like we, we all. Everyone deserves a fucking place to live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Amen, brother. Hey, Hayes, dude, this was a, uh, this is funny. It's like check out Hollywood Handbook. <laughs> uh, speaking of, yeah. I need to play. I need my bread is buttered. Please buy Athletic Greens promo code Mighty. <laughs> yes, we are part of the Athletic Greens family now too. Oh hell yes. yeah! Headgum's got a direct connection. You, they got us you, all shitting you, great. Yes, code Mighty, code Mighty. Uh, so Hayes, thank you so much, bud. A anything you want to plug? I know you got handbook. I'm sure you got uh, some other non entertainment based stuff you want to shout out. So please no, that's 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 good. Check out uh check out Nithya if you if you live in L A. Um, we're, yeah. we're 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 doing a lot of good stuff. What what district is what district are you guys? District in? four. We run now. We got redistricted sort of, but we run from uh, the northern part of Silver Lake through Los Feliz. Uh, most of Studio City, some of Hollywood, like the Hollywood, like the UCB Franklin, we yeah. have, <laughs> and like the Coenga Pass, all Schwartz of and Sandys from Vanderpump. Schwartz and Sandys now. Oh my God. Huge for the district. That got Huge. through like the alcohol permit process just as like that shit broke. And we were like, <laughs> what is going to happen? This is like a problem. Uh, all of Encino and uh, like the eastern half of Reseda. So it's a gigantic district, but like you know, live in it, around it, there's a lot a lot of ways to to plug in. And if you don't live in Nithya's district but you are active at all politically in your district, 
talk to your fucking CD members and be like, hey, what's important to me is get your neighbors life. together. Ask, yeah. You know, for like a little neighborhood meeting and be like, yeah, this is what we're this is what here's we're what we for. can do. Here's a little yeah. step we can do that mm-hmm. won't uh, you know, that could help. So mm-hmm. fucking get, let's get after it, people. We could do this. Oh, yeah. Uh, buy shit. Oh, wait, I should I should plug my own stuff. Feels weird at the end of this. Uh, <laughs> please get on my Patreon. Uh, no, uh, thank you so much for listening. Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. It's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now. Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. (laughs) It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. You wake up after a few years and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I pity the room. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.